Blog Talk Radio. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another Rough Riders Radio podcast. I'm the host, the Rough Rider. Tonight would be our 477th podcast to date, entitled a 38-page PowerPoint presentation, coup d'etat. Let's get it. Yes, you heard that correctly. A 38-page PowerPoint presentation, coup d'etat. Yes, that's what the Trump administration was ultimately resorting to with their band of merry pranksters and coup d'etat-ers in the waning days of the Trump administration, uh, leading on up and including uh, specifically the day of the insurrection, January 6, 2021. Well, we all know he had the big rally at the ellipse at 12 noon, and then whereupon the next four or five hours it was uh, mayhem and havoc, uh, releasing his hordes of uh, uh, Trump wackadoos and crazies to descend upon the capital, nation's capital, Capitol Hill building, and uh, wage war against it and break and enter into it and uh, uh, came close to killing uh, House of Congress people and uh, U.S. senators and the vice president, the sitting vice president, Mike Pence himself, and his chief of staff, uh, who were narrowly missed the rampaging and the fury of the mob by mere seconds. So uh, who came up with this 38-page PowerPoint presentation uh, for uh, implementing and carrying out a coup d'etat against our nations, uh, against the sitting Congress, whose paper duty was to meet on January the 6th and to merely certify the uh, already in place electors or electoral votes, electoral college votes as represented by the various states. Uh, it was more of a ceremonial. Uh, there was nothing more that needed to be done, but it, it's a, uh, a custom, a ritual that had to be uh, carried out in, in the course of uh, and under the existing framework of our government. And, uh, you know, it was uh, the Trump administration's uh, <clears throat> fervent desire to, uh, to halt that, interrupt that, stop Stop that. Keep that from happening, however you want to phrase it. And uh, they were going to, um, among other things, resort to the tactics as outlined in this 38-page PowerPoint presentation on how to conduct a coup d'etat against the sitting government, the sitting Congress, and prevent them, keep them from carrying out their sworn duties to certify the counting of the uh, electoral college in the well of the House of Representatives. So it, it's a um, the, the person or the uh, author behind that 38-page PowerPoint will no doubt come to like. Uh, but that PowerPoint was preceded by several other efforts. Uh, I think it was um, – Jeffrey Clark, uh, in early de- uh, late December, it was his idea. He was a higher-ranking official in the Justice Department, 
uh, tried to attempt to uh, overtake and, and throw out the interim attorney general, uh, Je- um, Jeffrey Rosen, and Jeffrey Clark, who was only third or fourth in command, uh, against Department of Justice rules, he was actually in direct communication with the sitting president, Donald Trump, on how to do this, how to affect this. And not only that, but he brought to uh, Trump's attention, this would be Jeffrey Clark, uh, his memo that he <clears throat> he designed to uh, be sent to the Florida Secretary of State and the governor and giving them the authorization uh, based on uh, constitutional law, giving the, the state of Georgia, uh, the, the governor and the secretary of state, Brad wrote, Brad Raffensperger and the, the sitting governor in Georgia, uh, Brian Kemp, the authorization to convene a special assembly uh, of the legislature, Georgia state legislature, throw out the, the Biden, all the Biden electors, substitute that with Trump electors, and uh, thereby overturn <clears throat> a legitimately conducted uh, and free and fair and uh, valid on November the 3rd, 2020 election in the state of Georgia. And then John Eastman came along with a six-point, six-page memo on <clears throat> the, uh, the, the fully uh, more fleshed-out uh, constitutional argument uh, justifying and uh, allowing for this, uh, this, this operation to take place not only in Georgia, but in all of the swing states, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and uh, Georgia. And then, of course, you know, what came after that was Trump directly called, I believe, uh, called Raffensperger and uh, the governor, Trump himself. I think he first called uh, the Georgia governor, Brian Kemp, and tried to wheedle him or wheel and deal him to knuckle under and uh, overturn the Georgia election results. And then when that didn't work, Trump called a few days later, called the sitting sitting secretary of state of Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, and said, Brad, I just need, could you find us 11,780 votes? That's one more than we need, because after all, we, we did win. Georgia, and Raffensperger refused, held his ground, and so it was the ultimate, uh, uh, the ultimate uh, uh, tool in, in, in their toolbox was this 38-page PowerPoint memorandum, which they would, among other things, it called for <clears throat> a lockdown of all the vote, the electronic voting machines across the country. Uh, Trump would first declare a national security emergency whereupon all electronic votes that had been cast would be immediately invalidated and only the handwritten votes would be counted. Machines would also be sequestered. And the Army, I believe, was to go in and do that, or the National Guard. One of those two. It was draconian in, in scope and in measure. 
So there you have it. Uh, we could go on and on uh, further, but we all saw the Trump's 12 noon rally at the Ellipse, just opposite the White House, where he exhorted. It was an hour. He spoke for over an hour, and he, in unmistakable terms, he urged those thousands. There's 30,000 people there, maybe perhaps more, 35, 40,000 that were gathered there. He urged them in no uncertain terms to uh, head on up to the Capitol and uh, take your country back. You got to fight. You got to fight hard. You know, you got to stand up. If you, otherwise, you won't have a country anymore. And it was pretty obvious what he was talking about, and he knew exactly. Even the appeals court this past week, the <clears throat> district, the Washington D.C. Um, <clears throat> U.S. Circuit District Court in the Court of Appeals in Washington D.C. That's actually the second highest court in all of the land, second only to the Supreme Court. They, in a three-judge ruling, unanimous, whereupon they ruled that Trump had no basis for denying the House Select Committee, the January 6th House Select Committee, uh, their hands on any and all January 6th White House emails, phone logs, visitor logs, memorandum, text messages, uh, miscellaneous notes, anything uh, with executive privilege. Even they said that uh, among they in their 68-page opinion, they actually spelled out in detail that there was a, quote, a direct linkage between Trump and the events of the insurrection or the the events at Capitol Hill, Capitol building. In other words, they all but said that Trump's words and actions were a direct cause, cause and effect, were a direct cause of that group of people. He spurred those people. He incited those people to actually go out and do mayhem and malice and great harm against <clears throat> the uh, D.C. police, uh, the, the Washington, uh, the U.S. Marshals, uh, and eventually the uh, the National Guard didn't, didn't get there until way too late. So there you have it. Trump was a direct linkage between what he would he intimated and said explicitly on the ellipse, and what eventually and ultimately happens during the course of that afternoon at the Capitol Hill building. So you can't get any more damning a dam, you can't get a more damning indictment than that. So we'll, we'll leave it at that, and we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here now. We'll have another podcast in a few days. Stay tuned. And thanks for listening to our 477th podcast, a 38-page PowerPoint presentation, coup d'etat. Thank you. This is the old Rough Rider, rounding third, heading for home. And uh, we're in. We're in like Flynn. And as usual, stay well, keep it lit, and remember, we ride so you can glide. <laughs>